0: Mike, uh, glad to be with you here today. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, So this is the first episode actually of our podcast series. And we are, our organization is Blockchain Law at Berkeley. And we're all students at Berkeley Law. And Mike, uh, Mr. Mike has already been with us physically at Berkeley Law. And he gave all the students a, a great lecture on the interoperability of intellectual property with the Web3 space. So, uh, Mike is a very, is a renowned uh, lawyer. He practices out of New York and is a partner at Wigger and Dana, uh, which is again, a leading law firm out of New York. Uh, and so Mike, would you just like to give a brief run of the things you do and like what your, what your work looks like?
1: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, no, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. And it was really, a Pleasure to get to meet in person and to be out at Berkeley, and uh, so it, it's. Uh, I'm excited to keep the conversation going. But uh, yeah, my name is Mike Kasden. Uh, I'm, uh I've been an IP lawyer for about a little over 20 years, uh, and uh, I'm uh, I'm an IP litigator and licensing attorney at at, uh, at Wigan and Dana. And uh, I also last year um, founded our blockchain and digital assets group and have been doing a lot of work in that space. I've always enjoyed working with uh, with startup companies and with emerging technologies um, and actually, you know, got into blockchain through some clients having patent issues and agreement issues. And, you know, we slowly started doing the work and then sort of built up an interest in the space and built up uh, some expertise. So uh, it was a really fun year developing that practice, uh, you know, and kind of extending the work I was doing with startup companies and in the licensing space, kind of it's new areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I, you know, I used to be very, very patent focused, um, and I think through this work, I've kind of extended into more copyright and trademark and other types of agreements. Um, and, you know, for me, it was like a very familiar startup type space, but maybe even even faster, faster moving um, and sort of more interesting. Um, and so it, it was a very fun year. And it's, it's, it's been an interesting area to, to be. And I think we're at the a very early stage with it um and uh i think you know the future is is bright but i think the the present is a little bumpy so uh it's definitely interesting
0: yeah thank you so much for sharing and as you as you ended that answer with like as um you said that web3 and like the road is bumpy right now so i i i want to catch you on that like just understand what your expectations after the FTX crash with the ripple case going on with about the securities and like so much going on, especially also with the tech industry in the past quarter uh, with so many layoffs happening left, right, and center. We like it's every week there are headlines about some new tech giant laying off like 5,000 and 7,000 people. It's like, it's become like, it's, it's weekly news now. So what are your expectations from web three uh, and like the whole block blockchain ecosystem uh, for two thousand twenty
1: three. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just I'm just a lawyer. I'm just a guy. I'm not like a market analyst or anything. But you know, for me, um, there's there's a lot going on at the same time. Um, you know, one one of the things that really drew me to Web three uh, and, and made me very interested in the space was the ability, uh, sort of the ethos, right? Like like the change in being able to more directly reward innovators and creators and entrepreneurs, whereas in kind of the current internet space or the web two space, you know, companies like the big pipes, companies, the Facebooks and the Googles, uh, you know, and the big platforms are taking kind of a lion's share of the profits. And so it was this exciting kind of movement, right. And, 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 you know, the, the power of controlling your own data and controlling your own wallet, uh, you know, that's all all very interesting and attractive. So you have, you have that going on. Uh, and, it, and in some ways, the space reminds me of kind of, you know, I'm old enough to remember kind of like the late 90s, like when the internet boom first happened. Um, yeah. And people didn't really know what it was exactly going to be, but people knew it was going to be an important place to be for commerce. And you saw a lot of startup activity. And some of those startups became immensely important, successful companies, and, and many of them flamed out Um, and a lot of existing companies said hey we have to be in that internet we don't really know exactly what it's going to be but we're doing that and we're seeing that now there are a lot of big brands uh, you know there are also news announcements of lots of big brands you know dipping their toe in um, and even more than dipping their toe in that that, that's I think validates that this is going to be a space and there's a lot of startup activity but you know you also have it's a very new technology the law hasn't quite caught up there are definite, you know, risks. There's, you know, kind of, and you have this tie to, the, the, this tie to crypto, uh, well, you know, both, both NFTs and blockchain, you know, crypto is also based on blockchain technology. Um, and, you know, it's an unregulated space and regulation is coming for sure. We're starting to see a lot of action by the SEC, uh, you know, lawsuits that I'm reading up on every day. Uh, regulation is certainly coming, and just like any early space, you know, there's there's fraud and there's theft and there's you know things that where the technology has to catch up and things where the law has to catch up. Um, so in terms of you know predictions, so I think this year, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, are, are talking about we're in this crypto winter where the crypto market is down and NFTs saw this immense rise, right? Where where this new sort of asset, this digital asset was birthed um, and a lot of people invested in them. And some of those people are investing, you know, as investments, right. They want to like buy things and flip them. Um, But there's so many use cases to NFTs, um, you know, certainly digital assets I think are gonna be a thing because we're spending so much more time in digital spaces. Um but I think there are other use cases, real world use cases, um, you know, less sexy than art bus biz- you know cases like, you know, that that I see businesses talking about, uh, supply chain, things like that. Um, that I think that the space is, you know, it's gonna be a real thing that's gonna be around for a long time. Um, but, you know, we're in this this sort of nascent stage where uh, we're sort of sorting through a lot of the noise, a lot of the bad behavior, the laws trying to figure out, regulators trying to figure it out. So that's why I said bumpy now. 2023, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but um I think I think we have to have kind of a longer view. I think a lot of companies are building. I've seen a lot of brands investing and realizing, hey, like you know, NFTs, for example, might be a really good way to, you know, directly communicate to customers, you know. Um so I think Whereas in the beginning, people were saying, "Oh, I can buy these sort of profile pictures, and they're worth all this money, and then I can sell them." I think people are now realizing that there's a broader set of use cases, um, and I think we're going to be sort of
0: figuring out, you know, where that goes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, take the question of the profile pictures in uh, maybe in like ten and ten to twelve minutes. But definitely, yeah. I completely agree with you about the about the analogy about the bumpy road and how. There's regulation needed. There's policy needed. There, so many we we know so many different big players are also trying to enter the market and capitalize on whatever they can. So many, so many new technologies coming out every month. We've seen Polygon even through all this turmoil soaring through and like doing so well with all their partnerships. I, I I'm actually even though the market seems like it's on a down run and like it's crypto winter right now, but still I'm pretty hopeful and eager to see what what's in store for us for this year because it's it's almost a decade since the first cycle, the Bitcoin cycle started. So it's like the first 10 year, 10 year period has gone, is going to go past us now. And so I feel like the major developments and like there's, there's the governments have started accepting all of this uh they have started seeing this as an alternative method of collecting data just using data like just as a as an actual piece of technology that can be beneficial for the larger audience so from that let's uh um, i would ask i wanted to talk about what intellectual property uh mm. so uh, m- means and if you were to just um, describe intellectual property broadly in terms of rights and what they entail of, um, we'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, thanks. And and I think it's important
1: to talk about because you know when when I first came into uh, this space and started you know speaking to uh, you know Web three developers and blockchain developers and people uh, working in the space and building things, um, I was initially met with two two things um, from from the outset, um, both of which I think are wrong and kind of scary um one was oh that stuff you know ip law you know copyright law and patent law and trademark law and um that's all that's all web two that doesn't you know we're in web three and that stuff doesn't apply to us um and uh you know my answer to that was like well i mean there's (laughs) there's no web three law web two law there's just the law and you know the law might change oftentimes the law just kind of adapts itself to new facts just fact patterns and figures you figure out how it's going to apply sometimes you know people make new laws or you know change things but um but the law is the law and it's really important if you're building in the space whether you you know if you're if you're someone who's selling a product or someone who's buying a product that you understand that because um so, so that's one thing and then the other thing that a lot of people are saying Um, which, you know, I appreciate the sentiment I do, um, is, um, like, oh, we don't need lawyers anymore. Like everything's going to be in smart contracts. Everything's going to be automatic. All transactions, um, are going to be built into code and, you know, code is law. Um, and, you know, the answer to that is, um, it still really behooves you to get good legal advice um, because, you know, in the end, law is law. And while I'm really excited about smart contracts and the ability to, you know, make more efficient transactions, um, you know, you still need to sort of think about what that means legally. So um, one of the really important things I found was to sort of educate people about existing IP law. Um, And, you know, there are three main buckets. Um, You know, trade secrets is kind of a fourth. Um, That I won't really talk about, um, but is also very important in terms of, you know, confidential information, especially with people moving around so much and keeping certain things confidential. Um, But, you know, the sort of historical three sort of categories of IP uh, are patents. Um, which are, you know, new and novel uh, inventions we think of as patents. There is also a category of design patents that cover aesthetics, but usually we think about patents as inventions. Um, And inventions can be physical things, mechanical things, software, platforms. Uh, It's very, very broad. Um, And, uh, you know, so that's one category to keep in mind. I'll come back to it. Uh, The second category is copyright. Um, Copyright has long been known as kind of the law of the Internet, right? Copyright broadly uh, protects... Um, any sort of thing that can be reduced into, you know, writing or media. So, you know, photos, art, um, books, poetry, novels, computer source code, anything that you can sort of write down or fix in a tangible medium. Um, So copyright, you know, know, is what prevents folks from just taking your, you know, your image and copying it. Um, So copyright's the second category, really important. Um, And then trademark is, you know, what we think of when we think about brands and, you know, brand protection, um, right, like the Nike swoosh, or, you know, the word Google, right, things that you associate a product with, um, and not being able to, you know, and and trademark infringement is when you use someone's mark, um, you know, whether it's a logo or the words, and it's, and, and it's similar to an existing one, there's confusion. Um, so th- those are the sort of three categories of, of IP, and and they're important to understand. And especially, you know, so so patents. You know, sometimes if you're inventing a new platform or doing something new and novel in code, uh, you know, sometimes it's an algor- algorithmic thing, and it might, you might just want to protect it as a trade secret, like like the recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken or the formula for Coke, and you might want to just keep it secret. Um, sometimes um, it's it's you know a platform you know, you, where you might want to protect it with a patent. Um, and, and, and a patent is a very strong form of protection. If you have, if you really have a real invention, um, you know, you can stop your competitors from putting out that same feature, that same invention. Um, so, but, but, the, but the category that often comes up when we talk about Web3 is copyright. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned like profile pics and, you know, copyright. And what's interesting about copyright is, um, you know, the original person who makes, for example, a piece of art, holds mm-hmm. the copyright. Um, but, you know, you can then license that copyright, you can transfer it, you can give people certain rights. And, you know, one of the kind of interesting things that happened in this Web3 space that that as an IP lawyer, I'm really interested in yeah. is, you know, you can give people the ability to commercialize um, art that you make. Um, and that to me is super interesting. And that's, you know, what Yuga Labs did with, you know, their board apes. Um, and that I think is, is super
0: interesting from an IP perspective uh definitely and uh i actually wanted to talk to you about the copyright issue uh i, I thought we'd uh maybe take that later but like this is huh? since you already touched based on that and you uh took it into uh you said that you know how the artist can in a way license somebody else to monetize on it but with so many knockoffs going on going around in the in the web three space right now. Like I could just download anybody's Bode, ape, put it as my profile picture, uh pretty much do anything with it. I, I saw people selling t-shirts of different kinds of board apes and uh, is somebody suing them and like hasn't the whole copyright system become like this one big merry-go-round which just is very tough to stop at this moment? Like how how is that happening? and yeah. who is suing who is anybody suing anybody is and how how is all that working yeah no it's a great question
1: um with what's and, and, and you know it's so funny i remember even before I became a lawyer, when I worked for a paralegal for the law firm I ended up working for, they used to represent Warnaco, which was like Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. And I remember, you know, we used to do a lot of, um, you know, copyright and trademark enforcement for them. And it was like people in New York City, like oh. knocking off, you know, T-shirts with like the characters on them. And we used to do these big seizures, right? And shut people down. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's always been a certain amount of chasing people, right? Um, and enforcing um, and, and I think that there are different layers, um, to sort of copyright enforcement that, that are happening. Um, you know, one, I think is not the legal level. It's like, it's the community level, right? And a lot of people say, oh, you know, community, community is really important. It's all about community. And, and I think community is important. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons this community is so important in web three and decentralized spaces is that you need to bring people together to do commerce. So, you know, it's kind of you need a platform in some sense, and that's what your community is. Um, but, but on the legal level, um, you know, I think the most effective thing I've seen, and I've, I've helped some clients do this to shut down copycats um, is like takedown procedures, um, which, you know, came into into play with the digital millennium copyright act in the U S where, you know, if there's something being sold on a website um, you know, those websites all have a safe Harbor from infringement. If they have a takedown procedure. And usually if you, and you have a form and you can say, Hey, that's my copyrighted thing, or that's my trademark thing. And they will take it down immediately and then give you some sort of way to challenge it. Um, so a lot of the big platforms that sell, for example, NFTs, you talked about profile pictures like OpenSea, uh, and you know there are many others, but I'll take OpenSea as an example. Um, so I've used the OpenSea takedown procedures, and you know you just say, hey, like this is my copyrighted thing. Here's the evidence. They'll take it down. Um, and so that's important and, and useful. Uh, in in some sense, it's like whack a mole, right? Like like you take two down, and two more come up. But um, but if people's websites keep getting taken down, you know that's one thing you can do. Um, and then I think the other layer, and I think that's kind of the best we can do under the law. Um, you know, there is an interesting lawsuit going on right now um, involving Yuga Labs and Ryder Rips, yeah. um, who he knocked off their entire uh, Bored Apes Yacht Club collection, um, he says, as a social commentary uh, and a critique of them. Uh, he, but he's also selling his collection for lots of money. So there's questions as to the line between art and commerce. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that's actually more of a trademark case than a copyright case. Um, but it really if, if Yuga Labs had structured their offering, um, I think, better, it could have been a copyright case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually a trademark case. Um, but you know, the other the other layer that, that I think is beyond the law is also like technical solutions, um, which I think there's a market for and it's coming. And I know some companies that are working in the space. And I think we saw this in sort of the prior generation. Uh, with streaming things, you know, with with sort of the Napster to Netflix to, you know, mm-hmm. there are now things that are built into your, these streaming platforms that do digital rights management uh, yeah. that are copy protection. Yeah. And I know that there are companies looking to extend that um, and when you, when you when you launch an NFT to also have similar sort of copy protections put into place. So I think there are multiple levels, you know, there's the community level, there's the legal level, there's the technology level. Um, okay. But I think, look, you ask a really provocative question, which is like, are we moving kind of to where we don't need copyright anymore, right? Or, and, and, or you know, or is it the opposite? Is copyright even more important than ever? Exactly. Uh, and I think there are different views on that question.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's extremely interesting to see that how all of this is involving, like evolving. Um, being on, I would say, the jurisdictional side, where you're, you know, you're the master of the policy here. You're completely in. You're well versed with how copyrights work, and then you you see this new system come up, and anybody like without just with a wallet address is like copying pictures left, right, and center pretty much a lot of people can't really do anything. So do you think, uh, is there ever going to be like a, like how you mentioned the three layers, the technological level, uh, the legal level, and the community level. But when we take the legal level, that in a way encompasses both the community and the technological level, because both of them have to kind of work around the legal level. But at the same time, do you think because it's web3 in itself by by its nature is decentralized and it's kind of open to everybody irrespective of where they're sitting where they're accessing the internet from is there a possibility of having like a global uh licensing organization or like you know how you said that now open sea is embedding these technologies where and they have all these takedown policies is it going to be like a mishmash of both of these things? Or is it going to be like something like OpenSea or Magic Lead and all these NFT platforms come together, form like an organization, something like, which, which is something similar to that happens when, uh, you know, when countries make their copyright law, they have like, you know, how uh, they give away the blanket copyright licensing mm-hmm. and pretty much anybody can use it if they have it. So I, it's, it, it's very intriguing.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. I mean, I think, um, you know, it sounds like like great to be able to sort of have that if we could ever get there as, as a as an IP lawyer who's watched, for example, for years, them talking about this unified patent court in Europe uh, and then it not happening and getting delayed and not happening and getting delayed. Um, I, I think it's a tall order. Uh, I think a lot of I think your question gets at the tension also. Um, in you know blockchain itself, right? We have this decentralized thing. The benefit is its decentralization, um, and then anything that you that you kind of want to do um, in the vein of regulating or having one body, right, is like is is centralizing it in some sense. And I think there are going to be people that resist that. Um, I, I think it's going to be hard <laughs> to get to that to that place. Yeah. um but you know but I think it's interesting you know i think um you know I think about things I read an article recently by by an n y u professor friend of mine Jeannie Fromer, uh on memes right yeah. um and copyright and memes, and like you know there are new things that happen that sort of turn things upside down a little bit, like for example, if you create a meme, um you want it to be copied and shared everywhere that's how it becomes known and valuable right
0: hosted all Fancy social media sites where everybody yeah can you it.
1: want it to be everywhere, right? But then, but then, like, how do you? So, so you know, it doesn't really benefit you to like shut people down for copying, and and so I think we're in this. You know, I, I, there are lots of different models for for monetizing things, and and some people uh, are more in sort of an open source kind of model, and others are more traditional. And when we think about you know, how to license this stuff and what you permit and what you don't. And does it benefit you to allow people to just use your art and create derivatives? And, you know, when does it not benefit you? You know, there are different approaches. Like, you know, Disney has been in the news lately because Steamboat Willie, the original Mickey Mouse character is now finally coming off. Uh, You know, the copyright on that is expiring, but they have all these copyrights on other, you know, variations of Mickey Mouse and they're always very aggressive, right? The Disney way of going about it is, you make anything that looks like a mouse or two ears on a circle, they're going to shut you down. And, and, and look, they've been very successful licensing content. But what I think is really interesting is, you know, there's another way to do it. Like universal, um, you know, studios, like their competitor um, has, has taken like, you know, the opposite approach with um, a, whatchamacallit, now it slipped my mind. Those like those little yellow guys (laughs) um, that, that are everywhere. Um, you know, they're not enforcing anything, and it creates, you know, more, more value. And, and I think that, you know, for example, you know, board apes, like we talked about, like the ability to do different things with the way you do IP, you know, if you buy a board ape, I think one of the interesting innovations, and I don't know if they knew how interesting it was when they made it or not. But I think it's really interesting. They're basically saying, like, if you buy this board ape, like you can commercialize it, you can do whatever you want, you can make yeah. a movie, with it. you can make a book, it's like, it's like if Disney created The Little Mermaid and then said like, Sid, go take it and do whatever you want with it. It's a very different way of, of, of monetizing and using IP and innovating with IP. Um, and think, so, so to a certain extent, I think companies are going to have to sort of embrace some of those models. Um, I think to other extents, the law is going to deal with it. I think when the internet first came, people were saying, oh, like, we're never gonna be able to tax anything. And if you're on the internet, where exactly are you? Well, you know, the law sees where you do commerce. And I think already we're seeing people, you know, we've seen some early action with, you know, the, the anonymous nature of blockchain, where governments are like serving people through wallets. Um, you know, people will figure out where the money is being made and how to get it, people. But it, but it does introduce kind of new challenges. I think that force us to rethink, you know, what the real best way to do it is. And and does it make sense to try and really heavy-handedly enforce the law, or is there some other sort of creative way to take advantage of that to make money in a different way?
0: Exactly. I mean, yeah, the, we've we've been seeing different approaches uh, being taken by different different jurisdictions. I I, I remember California introduced like. Uh like a two thousand uh I think it was either California or New York where you could spend two thousand dollars without being taxed, but as soon as you go over that you 'll be taxed if you if you spend any bitcoin or like uh, uh coming back to India that we have like almost twenty five percent like we have extra tax if uh we do any transactions with cryptocurrency especially and it 's only levied on the profits, so there are different jurisdictions everybody's still trying to figure out what how to navigate the way through and like, you know, what do we do with it? Everybody is trying to be creative because this is something that's as it is kind of off the road and like, you know, it's new. Uh, So coming from like, I I feel like we got a good grasp on the copyright part of it. Uh, When we started this, you said you wanted to speak about the trade secret part and the patent and the patents part. So I had a question for that. Like, Taking aside the nFT businesses and some of the cryptocurrency businesses, we still have a lot of innovation going on in the web three space. so most of this innovation needs support needs needs security i p serves as security in ninety nine percent of scenarios in the web two world in any any scenario, as you said that you know a company could just file a patent on what their process is and uh, we we just spoke about disney disney basically uh, keeping trademarks for different variations and like you know copywriting everything that's uh, out there so how important are is ip patents trade secrets are they even applicable to web3 businesses how do they go about it like what is the process of even like having a patent like is is it just that uh, because i've never worked on this and uh, so in in a Web3 business, what does a, a patent entail of? Is it just the process? And is it even important? To, do Web3 businesses even need IP in the first place?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, so just to, to put, a, put a bow on the copyright conversation, um, I think the conversation we just had shows that Web3 businesses um, should think about kind of like what their copyright policy is. And like, if you're selling a product, like what rights you're giving to owners, if not, and like, you know, write license agreements that are really clear. And that's a lot of the work that that I've been working on. Um, On on the patent side, um, you know, I think that as with any other sort of software enabled business, um, oftentimes it's a choice between patent and trade secret. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of opposite regimes, right? Patents, the whole theory of patents, Uh, You know, the U.S. and any U.S. patent lawyer will tell you that, you know, the there's a clause in the Constitution, right, like uh, Article 1, Section 8, that is, you know, the IP clause, basically, that that, that sort of is where the patent and copyright stuff comes from. Um, And the thought was, right, to encourage people to share their ideas. Well, how do I get someone to share their ideas so that other people can build on top of it? I give them this limited monopoly, right? That's the theory. Um, So for patents, in order to get a patent, you have to disclose your idea. You have to tell someone in your patent, if anyone's ever read a patent, or if you haven't, you can go to the patent office or go to Google patents and look up, you know, any patent and read it. Um, You know, a lot of them are pretty dense technical documents because the deal is um, in exchange for you telling me how to make this new invention, um, I'm going to give you this limited monopoly. So in the patent, you disclose everything about in great detail um, about how to to build your your system or product or, or whatever you're patenting. Um, trade secrets is the opposite. Trade secret is you keep this confidential. And as long as you keep it confidential and you put technical barriers up to it and you have agreements that make sure people don't share it and you control access, um, then you can keep it secret forever. Right. And like I said, sort of the textbook example of a trade secret is, you know, a recipe or an algorithm. Um, so so I think it, it's interesting. So I've, I've had experience with both in, on the Web3 side, and I think they, they can both be important. A lot of times, you know, patents um, usually are the most expensive form of intellectual property to get, um, but they give you the broadest protection. Um, so, you know, because there's a process where you have to write this technical description, you have to write the claims, you submit it to the patent office, They do a check to see if they think it's new. If it's not, they they might cite something that they think, oh, this other person did something similar, and you might have to change the claims. It's a process. Um, But once you get a patent, um, it's a very, very strong right. Um, You can stop anyone from making, using, selling, importing what's defined as your invention in the patent. Um, And it doesn't matter if they copied it from you, if they knew about you, if they independently developed it it's like a strict liability thing. If they're, it's it's like being on someone's property, right? Right. Like if I'm on your property, I'm trespassing and all all that matters is where the fence is. Uh, So the claims of a patent draw the fence. And if I'm standing on it, you can kick me out. Um, So that's pretty powerful. Um, And, and, you know, software companies have patents. You know, Google has patents. Facebook had, or I'm sorry, Meta has patents on. You know, and and so for a long time in the U.S. it was harder to get them on software, um, especially in the beginning. Um, but now so much innovation is is software enabled and software based that. Um, you know, if you do it right, you can get patents on that. One of the issues, though, is that you know it takes it takes a while to get a patent. Uh, it could take you know three years. Uh, you know, so it depends on the the, the sort of the life cycle of your, your product, right? If you're and so a lot of times, if you're building an app, and what's really interesting about your app is the algorithm, uh, if your app's going to be if you're if you're going to be on to the next thing, you know, three years from now might not make sense to get a patent. And if the really interesting thing about your about your invention is your algorithm and you'd rather keep that secret as a competitive advantage, yeah. then you might try and you might say, I'm just going to keep it secret. Um, a lot of times one of the factors in choosing between patents and trade secrets is is my thing like reverse engineerable? Right? Like if I put my product out there, could someone figure out exactly how it works? If if I don't have a patent, trade secrets aren't going to help me there. Cause if someone else can reverse engineer my product um and just make it independently um they're allowed to do that if i don't have a patent so that's a big that's sort of a big thing in the decision so so i don't think that web three is really any different i think there can be value in getting patents i've helped clients get patents on uh really interesting innovations that involve crypto and software and uh nfts and i've also uh you know helped helped clients you know sort of teach them how to protect trade secrets Mm -hmm. um it just kind of depends on the facts yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, I feel like patent application has is, I mean, after you explained it, it is extremely important. And like that's, that's something that actually secures the way you want to do your business. Uh, same goes with trade secrets. Uh, also with Web3 businesses, I feel like, I, I feel like copywriting is more necessary in a web3 business because just because of the sheer number of scams that are going on in the market you you would want to protect whatever you can and monetize whatever you can also at the same time yeah, yeah one thing i wanted to add
1: on cop you know what's interesting you know i described the process of getting a patent where you apply to us government there's this back and forth yeah. and then they give you uh you know a, a, a an issued patent um just one note on copyright it, it's a little different copyright um in the U.S., you don't have to register. Um, you can get a copyright. You do get a copyright the second you create something. Um, you know, you can just write, I can write down a, a, a song lyric right now and just write, you know, Mike Kasdan, uh, 2023, Circle C. Um, and, you know, that's my copyright, whether I write that down or not. I get a copyright. Uh, what, what's, but, but there is a benefit to registering and registering a copyright is really quick and easy. It's like less than $100 and it's a very simple form. Um, when you register, it gives you the right to sue, which is one thing, but also importantly, but you can register at any time, even after someone infringes it. But if you have it registered before the infringement, you can get what are called statutory damages. Um, and that sounds like a very fancy legal word, but it's actually really important because when you sue, if, if, let's say I take a photograph um, of, you know, a baseball player, Aaron Judge, um and i i put it on my website i write an article about him and you know sports illustrated takes it and puts it on their website and they get a million views and i say hey you took my picture right and and i say you know i'm going I'm to sue you for copyright infringement if if i've registered that picture i can get damages of you know in the thousands of dollars per copy um I don't, all i have to prove is per copy and and that's very easy Um, otherwise I have to prove like damages, like what was their profit from that? What was my harm? It's a very difficult thing for me to prove that I was really harmed and what sort of profit they came. So having, having it registered actually puts some teeth into it if someone is to take it down the line. So, so I think it does make sense to register. Like, you know, if you have a collection, it's like a hundred avatars probably makes sense to like register them just to give you the extra benefit uh of like
0: if someone does take it like you actually have some teeth in going after them all right i mean definitely gonna register if i do <laughs> end up clicking any <laughs> oh, sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna take that advice to my heart and um i feel like whatever pictures i'm gonna click from now on i hope i hope <laughs> sports illustrator puts my picture on the magazine <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much for this discussion. I um, I definitely have learned a lot from this conversation, and I hope we can uh, we can keep this relationship of like you know having these conversations going on. And uh, thank you for your time. Marketplace in New Orleans I saw the cutest little queen A pair of eyes I couldn't miss Lips that were begging to be kissed I went flying out in
1: space When I saw that pretty face
0: And I found that warm embrace at the Marketplace Marketplace, marketplace. Didn't even know her name and didn't care I was glad I took a walk and saw her there Through my on she began to dance That was the start of a big romance I went flying.